Uh, good evening. Welcome to the regular meeting for the Historical Preservation Commission for April 13th, 2023. Director Phipps, will you like to? Yes, thank you, Chair. People, how they can participate. Certainly. Good evening, Chair Nichols, commissioners, staff, and members of the public. This evening's meeting is being held at City of Sausalito's Council Chambers at 420 Litho Street and is open to members of the public. Members of the public may also access this meeting and provide public comment through Zoom. And with that, I will move to call roll. Commissioner Berkowitz. Uh, let the record show Commissioner Berkowitz is absent. Vice Chair Newman. Um, Commissioner absent. Weber. Here. And Chair Nichols. Here. We have a chief quorum. Thank you. So the first item of our business tonight is approval of the agenda. Um, we have approval of two meetings minutes. We have a press special presentation from the author of our historical context statement, Mr. Christopher Verplank. And we have one business item for 666 Bridgeway. Is there a motion to approve the agenda? So moved. Second? Second. Thank you. Commissioner Weber. Yeah, so you, just so it can get on the record. Second. There you go. Thank you. Uh, uh, you're going to say I. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, a yay or a nay? We need. Yay. Thank okay. you. Uh, Vice Chair Newman. Yes. Chair Nichols. Yes. Thank you. Motion passes. Great. Next item is a, approval of our minutes. Um, we have two minutes um, from two meetings tonight. The first is February 16th. Uh, I'm just going chronologically here, and the second is March 16th. Um, has the commission had a chance to review these and offer any suggestions or changes? I'd offer one suggestion for the minutes from February 16th, um, and that's on what I guess is page three. It's talking about our guest tonight, Chris Verplank, and it says the drafter of the historic context statement, et cetera, uh, that the city council previously prepared and approved. And I would suggest reviewed and approved rather than prepared. Um, I think they hired it to be prepared, but I see your point. So and I'm fine with that. Okay. They didn't prepare it, but they you're right. Not. <laughs> but they hired the person, so it's semantics. Um, and I don't have my minutes in front of me for the last meeting for March, but um, there was a section in there when I um, gave my reasons for not being able to continue this and my comments. And I would just like to just say one thing, and that was, I believe I asked the applicant um, about the materials not being historic and it was really about they weren't historic and so I was I knew they were he was going to replace them so I was trying to get a distinction of how he was going to do the wood I think there was a knot in there that should have been yeah um, 
Does that make sense, David? Yeah, I agree. Uh, but the context of the, the sentence was the same, but I was really acknowledging that they weren't historic, so that wasn't a problem, but he was, we knew we, they uh, were applying to take them off, and I was asking uh, him to uh, talk about the restoration of the wood that was going up. He was getting it more in the line with how it had been historically. Was it, is it the word not, I think? Yeah. Does that make sense? Do you have the... the we used to have the minutes with the numbers on the side, which would have made it easier for the line. So I'm not quite sure where that was. Anyway, that's all. It's minor. But I think it makes more sense. I had uh, two minor things. That same same meeting? Yes. The, March? Okay. Yeah. And Kristen, again, uh, or Principal Planner Teich, I um, just noticed on page... Uh, it says that you, Principal Planner Teich, stated it was, was not, but staff could investigate whether there might be maintenance. I thought there was a missing, like it, maybe in there. Maybe not. No, I noticed that. Um, yeah. I think you need to speak into the mic a little bit more so they get your, get your comments. <laughs> Let's go back over in the other room where we didn't have to do this. <laughs> but anyway, um, the other thing was on page three, uh, Chair Nichols asked the applicant if their proposal for new signage on the south elevation is considered part of their request and did it fit in with the square footage? I did say that. What does that mean? And it makes sense. It's it, There's a measurement for the size of the sign and, and the senior planner did respond to that. And so I did say that. Uh, yeah, Vice Chair, if I may, are signs and awnings regulations? I never think of signs and square footage. Yeah, but that's how they're measured. Exactly. Yeah, our signs and awnings regulation has, has square okay. footage related requirements. Uh, then only one other one and I excuse this from where you used to be employed, <laughs> but it says um, on page four, before that the design review could go to the planning commission, the heritage board must determine that it is appropriate. And I think that's probably means HPC, right? Yeah, okay. Thank you, David. Do you have, is, are you, you have that's it. okay. All right, is there a motion that might wanna include those? Oh. There was one more. Okay. And it's correcting myself. I've been on this commission six years, not seven. Yeah, maybe in March it felt like seven, but uh, <laughs> but it has only been six. I looked it up today. So anyway. thank you. Is there a motion to accept those corrections? I'll I'll move that we approve those corrections for the February um 16 minutes and the March 16th minutes as noted. Is that, thank you. Okay. Uh, can we take a roll call vote since we're all here or, do, or can we just, uh, we have to do roll call? So? Uh, you may take a, a roll call or you may take simply a, vo a voice vote. Okay. I think voice is fine for the minutes. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any uh, no's? Any abstentions? Okay, motion carries 3-0. Thank you all. Okay, now's the time for the public to speak about items that are not on our agenda. And 
Chair Phipps can let you know how to do that. Yeah, thank you, Chair. Uh, this is the time for the Historic Preservation Commission to hear from citizens regarding matters that are not on the agenda. Except in very limited situations, state law precludes the Historic Preservation Commission from taking action on or engaging in discussions concerning items of business that are not on the agenda. However, the Historic Preservation Commission may refer matters not on the agenda to staff or direct the subject be agendized at a future meeting. Video or audio public comment participation is limited to three minutes per speaker. If you would like to make a comment in person, please fill out a speaker card and bring it to staff so we can call on you when it is your time to speak. Um, alternatively, alternatively, as I'm not seeing a full house, please raise your hand and we will invite you to provide comment. If you would like to make a comment virtually in the Zoom application, please raise your hand and you will be called upon when it is your time to speak. To raise your hand from a phone, press star nine. Each speaker will be notified when the time has elapsed. Thank you. Thank you. Is any anyone here in the audience that, that would like to speak on items not on the agenda? Seeing none, Chair, in audience or Zoom application. Thank you. And you have nothing on Zoom? Correct. Thank you. I'll close public comment on items not on the agenda. And we're moving to... Boy. Business item. We're moving to um, 6A. I don't see our which is the, um, oh, we do have a opportunity to declare if we have any ex parte communications. It would be relative to the project tonight at uh, 666 Bridgeway. Do you have anything, Commissioner Newman? None. I have none. None. Okay, thank you all. All right, um, Director Phipps, should we move down to the business item uh, pending the arrival of Mr. Verplank? Verplank is in attendance virtually. Oh, okay, great. Thank you. So Certainly. We're, we're on to item 6A, which will be our update on the historic context statement. All right, Mr. Verplank, uh, feel free to unmute yourself and turn on your video. Hello, Mr. Verplank. Hello. You. And, uh, please, the floor is yours. Okay. Um, uh, Brandon, would you mind putting up that slide that shows the... Uh, the neighbors that had the racial covenants. Great, yeah. thank you. Okay, so I will turn my picture off while I, my presentation, I'll be back in a second. Okay, good evening, Chair Nichols, commissioners. Thank you very much for the opportunity to present a brief update concerning their visions to the Sausalito citywide historic context statement that I made in 2022. The revised document was adopted by the City Council at their September 20th meeting. As you know, the Historic Preservation Commission approved the final draft historic context statement at your May 20th, 2021 hearing, almost two years ago. Uh, the Planning Commission followed suit at their June 16th hearing, again in 2021. However, at the City Council's August 31st, 2021 hearing, several commissioners requested revisions to address the role that racial covenants, as well as the slow growth movement, may have had on the development of Sausalito um, as an overwhelmingly white and affluent community. In early 2022, I began researching real estate advertisements, uh, deeds at the Marin County Courthouse, and newspaper articles uh, discussing various Sausalito neighborhoods to see what I could find. Please keep in mind that when I first started this historic context statement um, about a decade ago, exactly, is long before Donald Trump 
George Floyd and many other events that have led to a reckoning with the forces of racial prejudice and exclusion in this country. Um, racial covenants and other legal and illegal means of exclusion traditionally had not been covered in historic context statements, which primarily deal with the physical evolution of a community. But I've since realized that these issues do have major implications on the built environment. Um, initially, I doubted there would be very many, if any, racial covenants in Sausalito. My reasoning was that nearly all the city had been subdivided um, in the 1860s, long before the adoption of the first racial covenants in Berkeley in 1905. In addition, nearly all the city's post-war subdivisions had been subdivided after racial covenants were declared unenforceable by the Supreme Court in Shelley versus Kramer in 1948. But the construction of the Golden Gate Bridge and Waldo Grade in the mid-1930s led to the re-subdivision of the previously inaccessible, very steep lands above Newtown for residential development. Initially subdivided in 1868 by the Sausalito Land and Ferry Company, um, the same company resurveyed about 50 lots uh, bounded by uh, Casno, Glen, Curry, and Platte Avenues in 1936. The company named this tract El Portal Heights and hired San Francisco architect Angus McSweeney to design five model homes along Ray Avenue. El Portal Heights was the very first tract in Sausalito to include racial covenants, restricting residency to, quote, any person not entirely that of the Caucasian race, end quote. The only exception was given to live-in servants. About a dozen houses were built in the tract before World War II, but the bulk of the tract was not built out until the 1950s. Adjoining El Portal Heights to the north, Monte Mar Vista was also subdivided by the Sausalito Land and Ferry Company a year later in 1937. It was marketed as a commuter suburb with its own connection to Highway 101 at Spencer Avenue. Other streets in the tract included Crescenta Drive and Crescenta Lane, George Lane, Vista Clara Road, and the upper part of Curry Avenue. As a sister subdivision to, the, to El Portal Heights, Monte Mar Vista had identical racial covenants. And most recently, and you can see these tracks on the map where, where, I, where I found them, and most recently I discovered that the Belknap tract, a very small subdivision consisting of nine lots on Atwood Avenue uh, near Old Town also had racial covenants, and it was also subdivided in 1937. As I mentioned, racial covenants were declared unenforceable by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1948. Unfortunately, racial covenants remained legal for another two decades as a voluntary agreement between homeowners. Indeed, this practice remained legal until the passage of the National Housing Act of 1968, which finally made it illegal to discriminate on the basis of race, color, creed, or national origin. I only found one post-war tract that had racial covenants, Toyon Terraces, Initially subdivided in 1948 by local artist turned real estate developer Rob Rose, Toyon Terraces was marketed as a large lot subdivision featuring custom homes designed in a modernist idiom. No other post-war subdivisions in Sausalito, including Wolfpack Ridge, which was also subdivided in 1948, or Marina Vista or Buena Vista Heights, which were both subdivided in the 1960s, had them. Unfortunately, the National Housing Act did not stop housing discrimination. After 1968, racial discrimination simply went underground with realtors, landlords, and homeowner associations 
employing subtler means, including the illegal pra practice of steering people of color away from predominantly white neighborhoods, or simply telling minority home seekers that a particular apartment or house was no longer available. Council members also asked me to investigate how the slow growth movement may have been used as a tool to exclude people of color from Sausalito. This is where things get a bit murky. Much of the opposition toward development in Sausalito during the post-war period appears to be motivated by a genuine desire to preserve the city's scenic environment. Where this crosses the line into exclusion is very difficult to gauge because middle-class people typically don't talk about such things, at least in public. And I didn't find much in the newspapers or other sources to really, you know, prove that this was happening. I don't doubt the desire to keep Sausalito as it is has taken on racial and classist overtones, but it's difficult to tease out from other factors, especially since low growth and anti-density politics are now deeply embedded in many racially diverse communities across the Bay Area. So with that, I'll wrap it up and uh, take any questions you might have. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. It's great to see you. And I'm so happy that, <laughs> that you <laughs> tell us about the final product. Are there, Likewise. Do, do the commissioners have any questions? David? Uh, Chris, I just have one question. Yeah. Um, so the way I understand it, and I've read it at certain points, Sausalito had the opportunity to um, incorporate Marin City, but declined to do that. That's right. Yeah. I don't know how many times uh, that may have come up, but it, it's my understanding that um, that they elected not to do so in the 1960s. Um, and it, But it wasn't in Sausalito's sphere of influence until relatively recently. A few years ago, it was removed. I think there has to also be a willingness on, in this case, the county's process to do that too. So uh, since it was their jurisdiction, still is under the county. That's an interesting point though. Any other questions or comments? Um, one question quickly, and that is um, the school districts merged in the 1960s. Why the school districts and not broader co-optation? Yeah, the, the two the two communities are really um, intertwined in a lot of different ways. They share utilities, school 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 district, many other aspects. I mean, and and historically, that the two communities are intertwined due to their wartime history. I mean, it's it's a remarkable relationship. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> um, the newspapers are full of articles about uh, tensions between, you know, people in Sausalito and people in Marin City throughout the 60s and 70s. And, you know, I'm not going to speculate as as to, um, you know, motivations, but I suspect that um, prejudice had a, played a, a major role. I think we can also attribute some of the uh, decline in students to the closing of the forts. The children of the army um, people stationed at the forts also went to the Sausalito School District. Mm. So I'm told at the time when the body of students was larger, uh, I won't say that there weren't any problems, but I think it might have intensified when the student body went down and it was geographically two different communities in that school district. Oh, good point. Yeah. Uh, when did that stop? When did the um, the children from the fort stop attending Sausalito Public Schools? I think it's in the 70s. Okay. Yeah, I can probably find out, but I've heard more more than one person that lived here during that time mention that 
it, mm -hmm. it, it really lowered the population of students. Oh yeah, and that's that's when the city started to close down a lot of the older schools, I believe. Yeah. And just to clarify, you're talking about the base closure? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And that's why the base, the current area, what was the base is in the city limits, correct? It is, but it's federal land. So, yeah. Yeah. So I it's mean, not under our sphere. We do have some, we do have some long developed interests where we share uh, issues, but they, it's federal land. So. So when the hotel makes changes, which they do periodically and recently, that doesn't, that's not within, even though it's Sausalito, California, 94965. Yeah. Federal so, land. So yeah. hotel is a lessee of the, I'm just trying to understand this, is a lessee of the land or the yes. buildings from the federal government. Yes. And they go then to the Corps of Engineers or someone to get approvals. Is that, I'm just, I don't know that yeah. you need to know all that. Maybe yeah. I'm just uh, looking at Well, it. no, I do know, but I don't know. <laughs> um, no, when, when the whole uh, development down there was uh, being changed over, there was a big push by the city. Uh, there was an initial design for the hotel that a number of people found very unattractive. And some people didn't want anything down there because of traffic. So the strategy changed to say, well, let's be at the table and try to influence the design since we can't really do anything. And that's how it shifted. And the Park Service, to their credit, with some really strong leadership from the council at the time, started working together. And we've had a pretty good relationship. So it's really, the, it's really the Park Service. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Any questions? Thank you, Chris, as always. You're welcome. Thank you. I hope at some point we can see you when we start maybe working on some districts over here. Oh, I look forward to that. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. It was really interesting. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, Mr. Verplank, if I may uh, just give my thanks as well to you. Thank you very much for being here. And uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. Um, Likewise. forward to working with you moving forward as appropriate. Sounds good. All done with me, or or do you, uh, or anybody in the public want to ask me any questions or anything? No, we just have the applicants here, but we have a historical consultant here. Do you have any? Would the public like to ask any questions related to the presentation? Yeah, sure. We may we we will uh, want to open the item up for public comment. Right. So, more formally, is there any public comment on this presentation? Seeing none. I don't see any, Chris. Okay. Yes. All right. We have one question for you. We're going to get on yeah. the recording here. This is our senior planner. You want to introduce yourself, Kristen? Hi, Kristen Tyke, senior planner for the city of Sausalito. Just because of your conversation, I was just curious if they were completely exempt or did they have to apply for building permits through Sausalito for inspections? Do you know? The forts? Yeah. No, this was just related to design and trying to be good partners. Seeing no more uh, public comment, I'll close this item. And again, thank you, Chris. And you. I'll see you the next time. Hopefully, okay. we'll be 
10 years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care. Good later. night. Bye-bye. We are now ready for our first and only business item this evening, which is a uh, review of a certificate of appropriateness for 666 Bridgeway. This meeting was heard, uh, this is the second hearing, and I'd like to start by having a presentation from our senior planner. And uh, we have the applicant's consultant here, I think if we have any questions, and they have provided us uh, some great uh, storyboards to take a look at materials, and I have materials here too, so. Just for one minor correction, this is the city of Sausalito's consulting historic architect who did review the plan and advise me oh, okay. in my review. Okay, thank you. So it's not the applicants. Okay, thank Just, you. Okay. Um, this application was first heard on March 16th. During that particular public hearing, there were some uh, concerns expressed by the Heritage Preservation Commission uh, that included um, discussion about the brickwork and its current condition and whether um, there should be some expansion of the scope of work to include repointing the brickwork and whether or not any work that would be done would be in compliance with the interior secretary of the interior standards. There was also concern expressed that the commission could not determine the proposed project was in conformance with the secretary of the interior standards without a better understanding of what was going to occur on the side and rear elevations. The commission expressed objections to the painted wall sign with illumination on proposed on the south elevation as they did not determine it was in compliance with the historic downtown standard for signage. And there was concern regarding the proposed paint colors and if the applicant had been uh, investigating the historic colors to determine if these colors were in line with that. There was also a concern um, that the letter from the city historic architect did not adequately address the secretary of the interior standards with regard to the appropriateness of the project. At the conclusion, the commission continued this application to tonight's meeting. The applicant has submitted revised plans which were provided to the commission for your review as well as the prior plans for comparison. They amended the scope of work on multiple pages of the plan sets in order to indicate that there would be no work proposed or, or ongoing on the side or rear elevations. The scope of work is limited strictly to the front elevation. They amended sheet A2.0 to remove the proposed wall sign and light features. They amended the length of the bracket and business sign by six inches to comply with our sign code. I had brought that up in the staff report. And they added a scalloped edge to the awning to provide it with a more historic character. At the follow-up um, to the meeting, staff also requested the historic architect to do a more complete historic evaluation of the project in, uh, in writing for your review, and that was attached to the staff report. The historic architect determined the project is in compliance with the Secretary of the Interior Standards for rehabilitation of a historic structure. Staff also provided a copy of the original DPR forms I had been unable to locate prior to the last meeting. I did find them in the historic room. So I now have them in our records, which is great. Based on the written analysis by the city's consulting historic architect, staff is supportive of this project. We find that the improvements are, are greatly uh, improving the quality of this facade. The, the materials that are being removed are not historic. The new materials are more in line with the original historic character and sort of bringing it back a bit, um, which is a kind of a win for the city, I think. 
In addition, we have not objected to the paint colors, although there are only two, and it's a very um, modest approach to what could be a much more detailed painting scheme if they opted for it. It isn't necessarily not in compliance with the standards, and paint is always replaceable. Uh, and it's a, it's a rather attractive color scheme for the brickwork. So we find that it is appropriate and compatible with the downtown and the building itself. Based on this, we have um, recommended approval and provided you with a resolution to that end. Um, however, I have had further discussions with the historic architect since I wrote the report, and we agreed that if the commission would like to see a better paint scheme that is a little more um, robust, that you could, as a condition of approval, re request the commission impose a requirement to add a, one or two more colors to give it more variation and make some of those little details pop out more. So that concludes my report. I just want to remind the commission that this application should not be continued again, that we are starting to run afoul of our permit streamlining deadlines and need to get it on to commission for a final determination. Thank you. Thank you, Kristen. Uh, do the commissioners have any questions of the staff report? And do you need any um, closer examination of the boards? Oh, that was okay. All right. Any questions? Unless they're different from what was supplied to us online. No, I don't need to look at them. We can ask. The, these are identical, correct, to what we had in our packet? Yeah. They should okay. be. Mm -hmm. I looked at them. They don't appear to be any different. Okay. Thank you. And I have the paint, uh, or I have the awning color here and the two paint colors that they gave us. I want to see those. You know, this might not be an uh, apt question. I apologize because this is my first meeting. Um, I only am kind of like windows that open. Um, and these windows would appear to be stationary and require air conditioning or air treatment. Mm -hmm. And is there a thought about, you know, the ability to open windows uh, for ventilation and temperature control? I mean, it's it, not in our zoning regulations. Um, it's just not addressed. And the windows are already there and fixed in place. Right. They're just not, they're not proposing to change that aspect. Good. Thank you. So that would require a whole different level of review, especially windows. So yeah. But, yeah. Can I just add a comment to that? Because I think this is boding well for our new commissioner because the <laughs> historic design guidelines <laughs> on uh, page A1 of the appendix use this building as an example. And future improvements could include replacing the fixed upper story windows with double hung windows. Yeah, and that's, of course, what's in the historic photo are double-hung windows. But I, I concur that's not within the scope of this rehabilitation project. But I think I want to compliment our new commissioner for being right on with that. I think that um, was under the guise that if there was a, a whole remodel or something, that would be done. Yeah, so I don't want no, to... No, of course, it would, they're not up, remodeling but, the upstairs. Yeah. I had one for the um, city's arc historical. I want to follow up on the point about the paint colors. Could you come up and talk to us for a minute, please? 
And just state your name for the record. Yes, hi there. My name is Jerry Holland, and I am a preservation architect consulting for the city of Sausalito. Hi, Jerry. Hi. So in, in Kristen's report, um, I heard that you would be able, if it was so desired, to suggest some paint colors. Um, what I heard was maybe more detail, which would be more like a, for lack of a better term, a painted lady, which that is not really the paint. Uh, no, that's not, that's not how we refer to paint colors. We basically say a one color, two color, three color, four color scheme. So a painted lady would have like 16 colors, for okay. example. Well, it was a bad term. So we were just saying you could okay. certainly add a third color. Right now on that building, there are four colors, not including the brick color. Right. And so the paint scheme that they're proposing is nice, but it's only two. And I think they're not contrasty enough that you're barely even going to be able to read the two in a, when the sun's on that elevation. So um, we would just, if, if, the, if the commission agrees, recommend maybe adding a color or two to the paint scheme. Now, picking the colors, I could pick right. something, but that would really be something the applicant would do, you know, and you could ask them to bring the color scheme back to you uh, to see. I mean, you don't want garish pink, you don't want neon green, <laughs> but... Well, also for the, the the scope of this project, a lot of that paint would be going up and on that upper facade. Mm -hmm. So I would like to personally concentrate on this so we can uh, move this forward if we can. If mm -hmm. they want to come back to us at another time mm -hmm. with a, a color. Yeah, no, I think you could just have them submit some color samples to staff or something to look at. But the upper... Um, you know, the Italian at the wood carving really does need a little bit more color, I think. Okay. I I totally agree. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, thank you. I am, yeah, for staff. Am I understanding that we could approve this project and make, uh, have the color scheme come back to us? at some future date without impeding the progress of this moving to the planning commission if the planning commission agrees to make that a condition of approval so you're recommending to the planning commission and you're going to make a recommendation of approval denial and if you rec make the recommendation to approve you can request a condition of approval that asks for a bit more robust detailing in the paint scheme and as part of that condition you can ask that they run it by the historic architect, by staff, or by yourself. Um, the commission has to agree to how finally the end result's gonna be, because that's their fine their their action is to make the final decision. So, so that's why I'm suggesting they're taking your recommendation. Right. And they can modify your recommendation or adopt it as you recommend it. The planning commission. Yes. So it still has to come back to us for the approval of the colors? No. Let me try again. That's in our ordinance, I believe. Is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it is. So I would, I just, it's another can of worms according. Can you, can you help us with that, Director Phipps? I think we have purview over color in the historic district. So I just don't want to delay this. Uh, chair, the that's applicant that's, wants now. Yeah, Chair, that's correct. Uh, and thank you for uh, the question. Much appreciated. And it's important for us to get this right. Section 10.46.060 of City of Sausalito Municipal Code reads, Certificate of Appropriateness Required. No person, owner, or other entities shall restore, rehabilitate, alter, develop, construct, demolish, remove, or otherwise change the exterior of appearance, including paint color, 
of a structure. So I'm going to end there. Um, point being uh, that generally uh, paint colors would trigger a certificate of appropriateness review by the Historic Preservation Commission. However, there are some exceptions. A uh, community development director has the ability to exempt a particular project proposal from a certificate of appropriateness review. Is that done through the delegation process that we delegate those tasks to the CDD or? I believe that would be the most efficient way forward considering the language in our code. I'm not trying to be difficult, but we've never made those delegations to the CDD. So um, here's what I'd suggest. Sometimes in the past we've done this to not hold up a, a application. Uh, if you're comfortable with running the colors past two commissioners up here, and if the commissioner trusts those other two to uh, opine on the colors, then that doesn't hold it up. And it's working with the community development department after there's approval. It's just that the color can be determined after. By a, by a, a, a signed like a sub working subcommittee, right. Yeah. So that can certainly be added as a part of your recommendation this evening. Uh, but as senior planner Kristen Tyke pointed out, planning commission may augment that uh, when they hear the item and they may or may not um, vote exactly in line with what HPC recommends this evening. Okay, but so they may not want a color. They I'm may sure not want it. So what I'm trying to do is get a review of the color and get a, a color approved here or a, a, a potential palette that we recommend if the applicant wants to do that without delaying this application. That's my goal. But are you saying we've done that many times in the past, but I don't know if we... Chair, you, again, the commission, based on how they vote this evening, is able to put whatever language they like in the recommendation. Um, the only thing that staff is really requesting this evening is HPC actually make a decision this evening. So it may be an approval or a denial. That's most important for us. However, within the approval, or uh, let's just say within the approval, in the case of denial, of course, there would not be any conditions. In the case of approval, um, HPC members may add conditions of approval as they see fit. Can I offer something? Sure. Well, since I'm the architect up here right now, they aren't going to be painting that building with the amount of construction that they have planned for quite a while. So, I mean, I don't think having that as a condition would hold them up one minute. They're not going to paint the building next week. Okay, my point is that there's at least some review where they don't have to come back to us. When they get ready to paint, they don't have to come back again and get approval on a paint color. And I've been part of those two-person meet with this, the right, staff, and I'm fine with doing it that way. Yeah, we could call it a, we could call it a working group. Yeah, it's a working group. That's and, right. And it's, it doesn't hold anything up. It's sort of, so I'll, if there's, are there any other comments from commissioners about this? Any other thing you would like to add? No. Okay, I'll make a, a stab at crafting. Um, well, let's let's go back to um, comments on the certificate of appropriateness, and then I am happy to make a motion here and see if we can move this forward. 
you have any other comments? No, I think the paint was uh, an important thing to me. I think there's been an issue with this project in that it's been unclear. Are we dealing with the entire facade of the building or are we only dealing with the lower part of the facade of the building? And that's, I think in the future, we ought to be very clear about that. And that's what got me onto the issue of the brickwork, because if you look at the entire facade of the upper story, it's probably 50-50 painted and brickwork. So, I mean, and I didn't measure it, but it, it's, you just look at it. And it seems fairly obvious that we're changing the color on the building that is gonna have a significant effect. In fact, the one of the pink color that's referred to on the south and north elevations is one of the colors that's used on the facade. And, and so therefore there was a rhyme and a reason as to how that all fit together, at least in 20, whenever it was, because Sorry, I know after the last time about doing a pain analysis, which in my history is pretty easy and inexpensive unless you're working on the Jefferson Memorial or something. So um, I think that would be still be a good idea, but if, if that's not in the cards, I'm quite willing to support approving this project and moving forward if we can have an expanded paint scheme for what is a significant aspect of this building. Amen. Do you have any comments? If you do, please use your mic. No comment. Okay. So I'm going to try to see if we can incorporate your concerns and get this approved. So I will move that we approve the certificate of appropriateness for project 2023-00015 for 666 Bridgeway, which is uh, their uh, sign permits, their um, other improvements, some of these are for planning commission. Um, we've reviewed the the uh, items that were called out and um, what I would like to include in this approval is a recommendation that the commission with a committee of two from the HPC meet with the cities, either not have to meet physically, but get information from the city's consultant with recommendations of colors that we can review. And that way the color scheme can be uh, already reviewed for the planning commission so that it doesn't get uh, need to be, uh, it wouldn't be determined by them. It would be that we've done it in a a review process here. When the applicant's ready to do that, that review will have been done and they would be able to proceed as part of this approval. Does that make sense? 
So basically we would do the review as a condition of uh, the determination of the colors working with your team of the colors and have that as a recommendation, not the exact colors, but the idea that we were gonna work two of us on what you would suggest. You have to speak on the, sorry. I am absolutely okay with that, but I really think the applicant's architect should be making the suggestions for the palette. I mean, there's probably about five different color schemes that would work with brick. So, I mean, I'm fine. I have my preferences. <laughs> That's fine. So when I say the applicant, whoever their representative is, that we would be wanting to review what they, they intend. Yeah, I suggest to that they give you some the, a palette that they like you know, and then yeah, meet with your subcommittee of two and that would be fine. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. And that's what I meant. So I, okay. I'm just going to say the applicants rep or the owner applicant, the applicant and their representative, right? Not yeah. necessarily the city. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So is that clear? We're going to yeah. meet yeah. In a, as a subcommittee on the colors. We're approving all the things they've suggested and modified in this version of the application. And that recommendation of trying to get this approval of colors has been done in this process. So the planning commission then has a recommendation in concert with the applicant of really what they want and the review will have been done. There, there won't be a need to come back to us again with colors. Does that make sense? Uh, just if I may clarify, sure. Chair. Uh, so if I'm understanding this correctly, You'll render this recommendation this evening uh, with respect to forming a working group to consult and, and render an ultimate decision on color in concert or in collaboration with the project architect or um, appropriate representative. This will be brought to the planning commission. The planning commission will hear the item um, upon approval. If the planning commission maintains this language from the HPC at that point, following approval, we will work through the working group and the architect um, to render final decision on color. Is that, is that my, is that a correct, is that correct? Uh, in just, and I would say even more quickly that we could meet as a sub group. In other words, I wouldn't want to necessarily see that we had to wait till this went to planning to do the color part. I think we could do it in parallel. Understood. So it may, it may occur prior to or following planning commission approval. Correct. Very good. However, we work it out. We'll, the most expedient way we can do our review to have for them. Very good. And full and, information. Does that make sense? Yes. Very good. Thank you, okay. Chair. Can I make two minor, I hope, clarifying comments? Amendments. Yeah. Yes. I think the committee of two, given the current state of this commission, should be the chair and the vice chair and make that specific because of that's our, fine that's fine and the other is whether i misunderstood principal planner the city would would be present during this dialogue with the the project proponent is that correct i mean it's not going to be just us and them well i think what would happen is that the architect would submit his paint schemes to us and we would submit them to you you're not going to meet with the architect in person Right. That's my intention. Okay with me. Yeah. But I think that the the city's historic preservation consultant should be involved in this. Because I absolutely will include her. Because um, I uh, have not 
heard anything or seen anything to testify to the architect for the building having a historic preservation background. I don't believe he does. Yeah, um, okay, so that's why I'm suggesting we do need to have, mm -hmm. if you will, third party that has that background. Mm -hmm. okay. There are great resources for historic paint palettes as well right. and, and yep. many paint stores right. that are more quality. Um, so um, just in terms of your condition of approval, can we word it a bit simply? Absolutely. That you're recommending approval of the project as proposed subject to a condition of approval that asks the commission, the planning commission to allow to require the applicant to reconsider the paint scheme and submit an alternative scheme that includes an additional one to two colors? I would say we're recommending that the applicant consider the color scheme. I don't, I'm not putting, hanging my approval okay. of this project on that color scheme. And I'm if, just adding this because I've heard that interest expressed. Okay. So it's so a consideration, add, not a requirement. Right. Okay. And if they agree to, then we will present the alternative paint colors to the committee. The, the correct yeah okay yeah so that would be the motion um you have any further amendments so it's not really a requirement it's just sorry it's recommending it, recommending it as a condition i'm not saying that if they don't do that i won't approve their project i got it yeah i got that's that. all it is and then what I think the planning director is saying is that this planning commission has to endorse that condition. Yes, we're including it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so therefore I don't know how we could meet with them before the planning commission acts on this. You know, in point of, just, just so you know, the planning commission hearing on this is on the 26th. So it's entirely likely we won't have time to coordinate yeah. new paint colors before then. So, so I think that's okay, though. We're just saying that there's a condition and a yeah. recommendation there. I yes. really don't want to hold this up. Right. I'm just trying to get everybody's That's perfect. You're making yeah. a, a recommendation based with a caveat that you have a condition of approval you'd like them to impose. Correct. Okay. Any motion on the floor? Is there a second? I'll second it. Thank you. Let's do a roll call on this. Um, Commissioner, Director Phipps? Of course. Please. Commissioner Weber? Yes. Vice Chair Newman? Yes. Chair Nichols? Yes. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you. That is the oldest brick building in Sausalito. We take the children there, the students from third grade, and tell them about that. So thank you for having the uh, review and... Um, Bring it to our attention. Can I ask you a question, Chair? Absolutely. Has the building been seismically upgraded? I have no idea. It's not our purview. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I also think that's have... an interesting question for staff. I, because, uh, I, I have... With all of the, if I may. With all of the... I, I don't know whether it is or isn't. It's been um, so long since I've had to deal in that aspect, but there was a period of time that the state required some of these masonry buildings to have to do
do some kind of seismic upgrade. And that was generally in the 80s and 90s that those that push was taking place. Yeah. Do we have a, there's an illustration. Do, I think at least it's got the pins, the reinforcement, probably from the 80s in the front, I That's think. Probably what they did. Yeah. They they had to meet whatever standards were in yeah. effect at the time. And they're, I don't know if they're pins, but they're like the medallions, mm -hmm. the, the reinforcement. That's the, a reinforcement. The, the re reinforcement. I hate to keep prolonging this, but if it was in the 18, or if it was in the 80s or 90s, it probably doesn't meet code today. And uh, you've probably been following some of the the questions that are being raised in San Francisco following the massive earthquakes in the Middle East mm -hmm. and how many hundred buildings are in the city that aren't reinforced. So uh, the chairs mentioned that this is our oldest brick building. <laughs> As an architect, the first thing I ask is, is it going to be there when mm -hmm. we get the next major earthquake unless we have some enforcement of uh, seismic code? And again, that's an open question. I'm not, it's not meant to be uh, singling anybody out. Mm -hmm. It's meant to be doing what I think I have my job is, is to bring things like that up. Um, I'd also point out that the concern for the, that I expressed at the last meeting for the condition of the, the tuck pointing or the masonry on that building is significant because of water penetration into the building that could cause additional damage that would uh, weaken the structure mm. even more. So um, I'm just mentioning that uh, since it is a historic, if you will, artifact and it's in our district. And I think that I'm just, I am suggesting that community development at, take that under advisement in terms of whether or not what work what the condition of the building is and uh, what enforcement powers we have be happy to do that the building official and inspector will be in place soon and i think we'll have to wait until our inspector returns in order to really pursue this thank you um i think we're at uh announcements any announcements We'll, we'll go to community development and then we'll hear from the commissioners. Thank you. Thing. Thank you, Chair Nichols. Regarding CDD staffing, um, CDD has made what I will describe as excellent progress since our last meeting. Specifically, CDD welcomed assistant planner Matthew Mandich to the team at the start of this month. Matthew has a background in both Roman archaeology, historic preservation related, and public policy and we are happy to have him on board. Additionally, CDD welcomed community development technician, Lisa Tellez to the team this past Monday, and she is fitting in very well thus far. Additionally, CDD welcomed senior planner, Robert Busick to the team yesterday afternoon in a part-time remote capacity until he is able to transition out of his current residence in Buckeye, Arizona, and of course, locate reasonable housing accommodation in the Bay Area and um, our fingers are crossed for him. CD uh, will also be welcoming a new associate planner to our team. And let me clarify, we welcomed that person to our team today. Her name is Catherine Spalding, and we look forward to working with her. As appropriate, CDD will bring new staff to Historic Preservation Commission meetings in order to make the introduction to commissioners. Additionally, um, as a second communication item, 
as as one of us as one of these people is present this evening at Tuesday city council meeting uh, city council adopted or excuse me appointed two new commissioners to the historic preservation commission um, Joseph S Lee and Angela G Weber Angela thank you so much for joining us this evening taking your oath of office so efficiently uh, we're very happy to have you on the commission and uh, same goes for Joseph Lee uh, when he is in town I spoke with Mr. Lee today, and he is actually out of the state at current, so we will welcome him uh, for his first in-person commission meeting next month. And uh, it, yeah, to reiterate, I'm thrilled to have them both joining our commission and very much look forward to working with them. That will do it for communication items from staff this evening. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. And I'd just like to welcome Angela and, and Joseph. He's not here, but we are absolutely thrilled and welcome having the additional um, efforts to uh, fill out the team and do some great things this year. Well, I'm very honored to be here. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. Um, Could I ask uh, the planning director uh, if he would provide us with the resumes of his new staff? Is that okay? Certainly. Yeah. I think that would help us all get acquainted quicker. And um, did I understand um, that the new person in sustainability is reporting to you as well? Um, Vice Chair, thanks for the question. We're, we're very happy to have Katie Tho join the team. Katie is in uh, city manager's department as opposed to CDD. Oh, okay. But that, that is not to say that there will not be opportunity for CDD to work closely with the new manager of resiliency and sustainability. Um, in the past, and this is pre-Vicky's return as to this commission, um, I had recommended that the sustainability, I think it's committee, isn't it, rather than commission, uh, actually have some collaborative relationship with the Historic Preservation Commission. Because as you well know, there's the adage, the the greenest building is the one that's already built. Uh, there's some people that would argue with that, but um, I found I find the, those arguments to be rather self-serving. <laughs> and uh, so therefore the collaboration uh, between um, the, the new sustainability uh, director and is that correct? Is that her title? Resiliency and Sustainability Manager. Manager, okay. I think it would be profitable for us to have a, a dialogue of some sort, potentially even a joint meeting. And prospectively, we could have someone other than myself that would be like Chris for Plank would talk about sustainability and the issues related to preservation. I think all of us... Um, know it quite well. Uh, the California Preservation Foundation is, of course, laboring in the fields about that uh, constantly with the AIA in tow. Uh, so I just think it would behoove us to see if with this um, new position and responsibilities that we could look at sustainability beyond the boundaries that it may have currently, which I'm not suggesting are minor, 
but I think they miss the build environment at this point in time in, a, in, in some substantial, some substantial ways, not others. And of course, the issue of electrification, uh, I'm sure will be high on people's agenda as it seems to be progressing around Marin County. Um, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, yeah, everybody knows, okay. <laughs> it's eliminating gas appliances from everybody's residence and from everybody's building, including this one. Um, so with that in mind, I can stop, but I just wanted to take an opportunity to mention that. And I just, one more thing, I know we're prolonging the agony here. Uh, I think I think this item 666 Bridgeway uh, has pointed out something that occurred to me, which is if a building in the district, historic district, wants to be the owner or whoever wants to repaint it, does it come to this commission or has it in the past been something, I, I see the chair nodding yes, but I have also heard and seen to some extent um, there being painting in the district that was not authorized by this commission. And I won't pick on anybody particularly right now, but it's a significant project. I think some things happened during COVID and the... Uh, before COVID. The, but the staffing issues. Were... Well, it was before COVID. So okay. I'm just well, asking you could that. Make a, you could make a compliance thing or whatever. You, yeah, I know what you're talking about and I agree. But I don't want to go in. It's not on the agenda. But... No, I know it's not on agenda, so I won't give you the specific example, but you may know what it is. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yep. At any rate, um, that's an open question um, to the community development department as to, I, I appreciate that you were able to find that in the uh, code to respond to the question tonight. Mr. Director, but uh, I think we we should, particularly with two new members, um, really have a clear understanding of that. So when we're walking around, as we tend to do <laughs> occasionally in the historic district, and we see some work going on there, it would be good to know what what the limits are. And we had a conversation again this. Uh, was previous planning director, or I mean, previous planning director and previous uh, city manager about what could be approved by staff and be done over the counter and then reported to the commission. And my objection to that was that there was no one on the staff at that time that had historic preservation, I'll call it credentials. And uh, now that you have both a consultant and also someone that, from what I understood, to have some historic preservation background that is on, just joined the staff, uh, it was also talked about that that would uh, lower the workload on the senior planner assigned to our com commission if things could be done that way. But again, I say that was the only conversation and it was not received well by the commission at that time because of what I just described. So I can stop now, but I just thought this whole issue about paint colors on a historic building really brings that to the fore and we should, if possible, avoid having to have 
overwhelming amount of dialogue about that in the future. Okay. Thank you. No, that's important. Um, I would like to uh, ask a couple of things of our director for our new commissioners and us as well. And I'm glad Maria's here because I think um, it would be great if all the commissioners and even ourselves could get an updated map. And I know there was some trouble with the hardware, the maps about our um, residences and, and the closeness of uh, particular projects. If you could run those for all of us, that would be great. And um, I would also like to sort of play off of David's comments to suggest the fact that, uh, to suggest since we have this opportunity with the two new members that we um, at staff's um, scheduling ability, uh, maybe have a special meeting um, that we just do an hour or an hour and a half to uh, familiarize the new commissioners with what the ordinance is and isn't. And uh, it also helps with meetings and it also refreshes us because I don't know it by heart um, and allow them to have any questions answered and, uh, you know, just just to kind of give them a running start, all of us, as we start our new uh, adventure to working together. I think that would be helpful. Is that what used to be called a study session? No. No. It's not. What is it called? It's a special meeting. It's an orientation meeting. That would be open to the public. It has to be if we're all together. I understand that. Yeah, it would be open to the public. A noticed meeting that would Absolutely. be about orientation. Yeah. With one, one topic. So it's totally just that. Um, I can't think of anything else, but I'm very pleased that we're having more commissioners to help us. And uh, I have nothing further, so I would suggest we adjourn. Any objection? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. So we have adjourned at uh, 724. Thank you, commissioners. Thank you. Thanks, Kristen. Welcome. Record.